Welcome to Golf Betting On Demand. I'm your host, Rick Gaiman, and I'll be walking you through everything you need to know about this week's RSM Classic. It is the final week, just a little mini bow of quote unquote real events on the PGA Tour. After this, we'll take a little tiny break as the PGA Tour usually does where you'll have things like the Hero World Challenge, the President's Cup, then we'll go into the Tournament of Champions in January. So this is like the final full field event of 2019 on the PGA Tour, but there will be plenty to talk about in other weeks as well. But before we jump into the RSM Classic, let's look back at last week's Maya Koba Golf Classic. Brendan Todd, you know, what else is there to say? He goes back to back, winning in two consecutive starts. He won in Bermuda two weeks prior, finishes at, finishes it out on Monday morning. There were like a dozen guys that had to come back and, and finish their round Monday morning. Uh, Brendan Todd gets it done. He's going to play the RSM this week. If he wins that, he'll be the first guy to win three straight starts since Tiger Woods in 2006. Basically, every stat is the last player to do this was Tiger Woods, right? Tiger is the default answer to every single stat category. But really good to see uh, Brandon Todd, who has gone through a lot of, of issues with his game, uh, be able to go through this swing transformation. I mean, he missed like four or five cuts to start this year made his first cut in Houston with a T28, and then he's gone back-to-back wins. So quite the turnaround for this guy who's now jumped, you know, hundreds and, and even thousands of spots in the official world golf ranking dating back to like the end of last year. So uh, really good to see that, and, he, and he's playing well. As far as our bets go for last week, we basically whiffed on everything. Um, we didn't get killed on any fades. We did not uh, really hit on any of our bets. I had Joaquin Neiman at 25 to 1. He missed the cut. The entire top half of the betting board was pretty pretty crazy. Um, you know, Kucher ends up finishing in a tie for 14th, but he backdoored his way into it. It was, you know, he was never really in contention. Finau missed the cut. Um Victor Hovland missed the cut. I mean, just like it was, it was a bloodbath at the top of the board there. We also had Emiliano Grillo at 35 to one. He finished in a tie for 41st. This is the first time at Mayakoba Golf Classic that he did not finish within the top 15. Um, Lanto Griffin, who was a, a top five bet for us, barely made the cut, finished in a tie for 76th. And then Harold Varner, the third, one of the guys I don't normally bet. In fact, these are a lot of guys I don't normally bet. Um, we had him in top 10, or I'm sorry, top five and top 10 bets. He finished in a tie for 58th. So maybe there's a reason that we don't bet these golfers, but uh, pretty big whiff for us. We avoided the Kucher, the Kucher mess, uh, did pretty well there. And it was, you know, Brendan Todd and a bunch of, uh, I don't want to call them no names, but guys that are not necessarily the top of the echelon in terms of PGA Tour golfers. But Let's look forward to the RSM Classic, and we're getting back closer to, like, again, like these real events on the PGA Tour schedule where we have a full field, um, we have a little bit of shot link, which I love the shot link data. We're going to get a little bit of that this week because the RSM Classic in Sea Island, Georgia, um, it's played over two courses. So there is the Seaside course, which is the course that they've used every year since 2010. That's your host course. And there's also the plantation course. Um, both are definitely seaside, I guess is the way to put it, courses where they're, they're on the coast there. But the plantation course is a little bit more protected. 
the seaside course is a little bit more exposed. Um, there is going to be uh, two rounds. So your first two rounds, everyone is going to play one round at the seaside course, one round at the plantation course. Then after the cut, they will play their final 36 holes at the seaside course, similar to the way the farmer's insurance does um, Torrey Pines with the north and the south course. So same thing there. So three rounds at the seaside one round at the plantation. The seaside course will give us shot link data. The plantation course will not. Um, both these courses, super easy. Uh, the plantation course, even easier. The, the plantation course is a par 72, 7,000 yards. The seaside course, similar in yardage, about 7,000, but plays to a par 70. So there's two extra par fives on the plantation course, which usually ranks as like one of the top three easiest courses on the PGA Tour. Uh, that's really where you want to be able to make your hay. And additionally, if there's going to be a big discrepancy in Thursday and Friday weather, we want to know that. So when you have a, a situation like this, we do the same thing with Torrey Pines um, and, and even uh, Pebble Beach for that matter because they have a three-course rotation up there. You have to kind of decide if there is one day that has, you know, significantly windier conditions, uh, more difficult, wet, whatever it might be. Um, if you want your golfers to play the easier course in easier conditions or the easier course in harder conditions, because sometimes if you play the harder course in harder conditions, you can be in for a really long day and, and play yourself out of contention early. So early in the week, it the weather seems pretty similar for both days. It doesn't look like there's going to be a massive discrepancy one way or another, but this is the type of situation that I would want to keep an eye on closer to Thursday and the first tee shot that goes off here. Your defending champion, Charles Howe III at 19 under par. Austin Cook won the previous season at 21 under. Mackenzie Hughes was a winner here three years ago. Kevin Kisner has won here. Robert Streb has won here. That's your past five champions. Sea Island, Georgia, that, that's, a, that's a town and an area you hear a lot about on the PGA Tour because there's a ton of pros that reside there. A lot of these guys that either played, you know, they could have grown up in Georgia, um, went to Georgia Tech, went to University of Georgia. A lot of guys play out of Sea Island. So you're going to hear that narrative a lot this week. And there's a handful of names at the top of the betting board that come along with that. You know, Matt Kuchar, uh, Kevin Kisner. Um, who else is on this list? I think Webb Simpson uh, is from North uh, North Carolina, but he plays out of Sea Island. Like there's just there's just going to be that narrative. Harris English is another one um, that that plays out of Sea Island. That these guys are just going to, you know, kind of be familiar with the course, but also other things come along with that, which is what we've talked about before. When you're at home, uh, there's a lot to live up to. There are a lot of media obligations. There are a lot of family and friends tickets that you have to get. Some golfers on the PGA Tour don't necessarily like to be in this position. They like to travel somewhere else, not have to deal with um, media, not have to deal with getting 100 tickets for their family and friends, and just go and play golf. So some of these guys have notoriously handled it better than others. Um, we'll talk through some of those. We're also going to dive into each section of the betting board. So top of the betting board, the favorites, the middle guys, and the long shots, and how to approach each and every one of those. And we're going to get started with the top of the betting board right after these words.
NFL season is now upon us, and you can become the eighth person to win $1 million in a FanDuel or DraftKings tournament by setting their lineups using the DailyRoto.com DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy sports and not using DailyRoto.com, you're doing it wrong. Sign up now for the NFL access with a faster optimizer, smarter DFS projections, and better results. Enter promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. DailyRoto.com, where millionaires are made. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life. So I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we gonna learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is gonna be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to Golf Betting On Demand. We recapped the Mayakoba Golf Classic last week. We broke down the course and or courses, I guess I should say, that the golfers are going to play this week. Let's get into the top of the betting board here. The 10 shortest odds for this week's RSM Classic are as follows. The favorite at 8 to 1 is Webb Simpson, followed by Billy Horschel at 14 to 1. Matt Kuchar, we'll talk a lot about him at 18 to 1. Your defending champion, Charles Howe III at 20 to 1. Kevin Kisner, another guy you'll hear a lot of narratives around this week at 28 to 1, along with Alex Noren and Harris English. We'll talk more about Harris English. Young Gun Scotty Scheffler at 30 to 1. And then Dylan Fratelli and Russell Knox at 35 to 1 to round out the top 10 for this week. The stats that we're looking for, if you've never watched the show before, I run a uh, statistical model, a regression model about which stats are most important each and every week for each course that the golfers are playing. I look back at um, tournament performance on each course, 
compare it to the PGA Tour stats for that year, and try to build a player profile for those who have found success at this event. For this week, uh, driving accuracy is going to be very important. These are not short courses. So driving distance is, or I'm sorry, these are short courses. So driving distance obviously is always going to be a benefit, but it's not something that will be a, a prerequisite. It's not going to be super long and you have to be able to take advantage of it. Not like that. And then putting. Uh, stroke scene putting is not usually a stat that comes up very often, but uh, the way these greens are set up, the way that they can place these pins can be, end up being a tough little putting event. So we will take on putters as well. Someone who fits both of those molds is the favorite 8-1 Webb Simpson, and we haven't seen Webb play that much golf recently. He had a tie for 7th at the Shriners uh, Hospital Open, which is the only event that he has played this season. He took off from the Tour Championship to the Shriners. That's all he played. Coming down the stretch last year, I don't think people really realized how good Webb Simpson was. And Webb Simpson can compete in all events. Um, you know, we've seen him compete in majors, obviously, WGCs, obviously, but a second at the WGC FedEx St. Jude last year, a second at the Wyndham, those events were down the stretch. He played well at the end of the 2018-19 season, and the only time we've seen him this year at the Shriners, he had another top 10, so really good there. Third place finish at the RSM in Sea Island last year, and here's a flaw that I see a lot of people um, fall into. So if you, a lot of websites out there will have a golfer's average finish, which is really just adding up their finishes over the course of how, however many years, dividing by the number of starts and calling that your average finish. So if you have a second place finish and a 20th place finish, that adds up to 22, divide that by two starts, it's an 11. 11th is your average finish. Um, miscuts and withdrawals are usually calculated as 100. That counts as 100. Webb's average finish is fairly deceptive because he had a withdrawal in 2018. He didn't miss the cut. He was seven under par. He withdrew. So he had a third place finish last year, the withdrawal. Then he had a 36th, 41st, and then here we go. Here's a good stretch, 7th, 2nd, and 12th. So he's had really, really good finishes here. The only time he's quote-unquote missed the cut or the only time he hasn't played the weekend was that withdrawal, um, but he was 7 under par. He was playing just fine. So when you look at just his average finish, it's a little bit deceptive, deceptive, and I don't want you to fall into that trap. Fairly accurate off the tee, 44th in driving accuracy on the PGA Tour last year, but an elite putter, um, 11th in strokes game putting last year, which is the sample size that I want to use for Webb since he's only played one event this year. But uh, yeah, I mean, he he should definitely be the favorite. I don't see anyone else who, who should be, you know, we'll talk about the next couple guys in a second, but if you're going to go out and bet someone at eight to one, I think Webb is a fair bet there. Billy Horschel, who is the, the second shortest odds to me is, is, is an absolute wild card here. Um, if you list pros and cons, it seems like there's an equal amount on every single side for Billy Horschel. He's listed at 14 to one at the moment, racked up another top 10 in Mexico at Mayacoba last week. That is now five top tens in his last nine starts. And what we've always talked about with Billy Horschel is the streaky factor. He can get super scorching hot. Um, he can go out and win multiple, you know, FedEx Cup playoff events. 
Uh, he can rack up five top tens in nine starts, and then he can disappear for six weeks. And we are currently in the midst of one of those hot streaks for Billy Horschel. Now, the thing is, they can end at any moment, but good good to see him playing well. He only has one start here at the RSM Classic, so he doesn't have a huge sample size. But of course, it was a second-place finish in 2017. He's a great putter. He's loose off the tee. His accuracy can uh, can be lost in a second. So that, to me, he is such a wild card. Um, I don't know if I like his number at 14 to 1. Because to me, the range of outcomes for Billy Horschel is so large that um, I, I like him in situations almost like fantasy golf, like, like DFS purposes. Having to bet and pay the 14 to 1 price doesn't feel right for a guy that probably has one of the larger ranges ranges of outcomes here. Um, I, I'm a little bit weary on that. I will probably take a pass on Billy Horschel, but it's 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 not a knock at all. I would just I would be just as surprised to see him finish dead last as in first, right? I mean, I just I'm just a little weary on him. Um, if that is your cup of tea, 14 to one is not a bad number. One guy that I'm still torn on, uh, but will probably not go back to is Matt Kuchar. So we talked a lot about Matt Kuchar last week because he was the defending champion returning to Mayakoba. He had the, uh, you know, the huge issue with how much did he tip his caddy and that just, that story seemed to linger for months. And this was the first time going back to Mayakoba. That's all behind him. Um, I'm just a little bit worried that, hey, he was 18 to one last week in what seemed to be a better spot. You know, he had much better results at Mayakoba. He's 18 to 1 this week in a situation that feels a lot worse. Again, another one of these guys that, that has ties to, to Sea Island. And um, his record here isn't all that great by Matt Kuchar's standards. So he didn't play last year in 2019. Then he has a 29th place finish, a missed cut, a 25th, and a 22nd. I mean, those are fine results, but not when you're Matt Kuchar and you're, you know, trying to win golf tournaments and you're priced as the third shortest odds, you're 18 to one, you're one of the favorites. That type of situation is, um, you know, just doesn't, just doesn't add up for me. So I'm probably going to take a pass on Kuchar. If you want to convince yourself into why to buy him, um, he has a lot of fine finishes, right? Like you'd never bet him in top 10 because he's 18 to one to win this. You get really bad odds on a top 10, but he backdoors his way into so many top 10 situations. You know, there's, there's even last week, he, he finished 14th, was never in contention, goes out and shoots a 62 on Sunday, which is of course a good sign aided by a, um, a, a hole in one and, you know, might just be, might've found something and might be feeling it, but this number is a little bit too short for me at a course and a tournament that he hasn't had a whole lot of success at in the last couple of years. Then there's Kevin Kisner who is 28 to one, which I believe he was 35 to one last week. We faded him and he finished, uh, I believe tie for 75th in Mexico, but that is historically, and we talked about this a ton last week, Mayakoba and El Chameleon was not a good course set up for Kisner. I mean, he missed a ton. I'm shocked he actually made the cut. He missed a ton of cuts coming in. He finishes T75. That's just, it's not a good course set up for him. This one should be much better. And his results are indicative of that. Uh, tied for seventh last year, fourth, he missed the cut. Then he was a winner. Then he finished fourth. So it's been a really good five-year stretch for Kevin Kisner, who, um, you know, you're only losing a couple of points on him, seven points where you're off of 35 to one last week for a guy that has much better results here. When you're looking for a course that someone can attack who is shorter off the tee, uh, but accurate and an elite putter, that's exactly what Kevin Kisner is. You know, he is going to find the fairway 
uh, almost every single time. He's going to be a great putter. He's not going to kill you. So this is the type of situation where when you're betting week to week, you can kind of take advantage of these ebbs and flows and these trends. There's a couple other guys later that we're going to talk about in the show that um, you know, should be shorter, should be longer, whatever it is. But knowing what we knew last week, seeing those odds come into this week, Kevin Kisner makes quite a bit of sense at 28 to 1. We will jump into the middle guys uh, and then the long shots, of course, right after these words. NFL season is now upon us, and you can become the eighth person to win $1 million in a FanDuel or DraftKings tournament by setting their lineups using the DailyRoto.com DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy sports and not using DailyRoto.com, you're doing it wrong. Sign up now for the NFL access with a faster optimizer, smarter DFS projections, and better results. Enter promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. DailyRoto.com, where millionaires are made. All right, welcome back to Golf Betting On Demand. And this is the section of the show I love the most. It's those middle guys. The guys that are like 40, 50 to 1 that legitimately have a shot to win the golf tournament or most certainly compete. And when you hit them, it's big time paydays. We were on Harris English uh, in a big way last week, he was 50 to 1, couldn't close it out for us, unfortunately. Um, but this is this is the section that when we went back and we did the... I think it was the year in review or the preview for this season. This group of golfers um, wins much more than like, I don't know. I don't want to say if they should, but like a lot of winners on the PGA Tour come out of this range. Uh, Obviously, a lot of guys near the top win, but like by comparison's sake, um, a ton of these guys win in here too. They're they're much more valuable. So let's see if we can find uh, a couple of these guys to bet that might be able to cash some tickets for us this week. And the first one is probably someone we've never mentioned on this show, and it's Brian Gay at 40 to 1. There's a couple of things that go in, in Brian Gay's favor with um like like there's only like six times a year you can bet him, let's be honest. You know, there's uh, he, he is a very short hitter off the tees, 187th in driving distance, but he's eleventh in accuracy. So you need him at a short course that requires accuracy, something like RBC Heritage, you know, um, even this time of year, the fall where fields are not as deep as they are later in the season, but don't be confused. Brian Gay is an absolute professional. The guy's had his tour card for like ever, I don't know, 20 years. Like, it's just like, he's always out there. He always finds a way to get himself in contention. He doesn't necessarily win all that much, but um, might be someone that you would consider as like a top five option, but this should be a really good course set up for him, especially on the seaside course. So here's what we know about him. As I mentioned, very short off the tee, but very accurate. Great putter. Last four starts here. Uh, he has a missed cut, a, th- a third place finish, a fourth place finish, and a 23rd. So no surprise to see the results here better. And that's what I like about Brian Gay is... The courses that he should play well on, he does. 
That doesn't necessarily mean he wins, but the courses where you expect him to show up, he can cash in a top five, he can cash in a top 10 for you. He's 40 to one, which is obviously very short because you have the course history um, compared to odds that you're going to get on Brian Gay almost any other week. But this is one of the half dozen weeks a year that you can bet this guy um, having a really good season, tied for seventh at the Shriners, then went to Houston and finished 42nd there. And then the last two times he's teed it up, third at Bermuda, 14th in Mayakoba. Brian Gay's playing well, gets to a course that should fit his skill set. That's someone that you fire up in a handful of different formats. Someone that you do not fire up in this format is Aaron Wise. And um, I don't know what the popularity is about Aaron Wise. I mean, I guess I understand it. He's he's fine right um i think you're just you're just overpaying for him at this point so he's 45 to 1 since his win at the at&t byron nelson which was two years ago he's played 36 events and he's missed the cut in 13 of them pretty significant percentage and then it's since the start of 2019 so the 2019 tournament of champions only three top 20s in his last 23 starts top 20s i'm not asking him for top fives here, I'm asking him for a top 20, only three of them in 23 starts, just feels like a bit of an overpay. And the, you know, the, the real concern I have is the course fit where Aaron Wise is um, fairly long off the tee. He can hit the ball a good distance, but he sprays it all over the place. He was 107th in driving accuracy last year on the PGA Tour. He's one of the worst putters on the PGA Tour. He ranked 132nd in strokes gained putting last year, which... Um, you know, I, am a big fan of being team no putt, but that's, that's not the time for it. Um, when he got his win, so when he had his last taste of success in 2018, he wasn't a great putter, but he was 51st on tour. So now he's dropped to 132nd. That's a lot to overcome. You not only need a really hot putting week, you need like a top end outcome type of putting week. If you're Aaron Wise, this number is much too short. Um, I will be avoiding him in basically all formats. The hottest player on the planet, Brendan Todd, is still 50 to 1. And I kind of went back and forth on this, not knowing how to feel, considering I think last week he was 125 to 1. Now he's 50 to 1. And I landed on, I actually don't mind this. Um, you know, he's going for the back to back to back wins, which again, I think I mentioned would be the first time since Tiger Woods did it in 2006 and he's just been one of the best players you know i i take that back he has been the best player on the face of the earth for the last 14 days obviously that's a small sample size but can he do it for 21 straight days um it's very clear that he has found something and we've talked a lot about confidence confidence can be a big thing for these golfers where they're always one shot away they're always one round away. You know, they get one shot, they get that swing thought, and they can play well the next day. They play well on the weekend, and they can play well the next week. It's just like rolling confidence, and nobody's got more than that than Brendan Todd cashing in two back-to-back wins. Additionally, there's some really interesting stats that came out of the, the last 14 days for Brendan Todd, including the fact that this guy, who has been around a long time, is literally playing the best golf he's ever played, obviously. Um, he has like something like 755 tracked rounds, uh, over the PGA tour career and the corn Ferry tour career. 
His lowest round ever was a 62 that he shot in the final round of the Bermuda Championship three weeks ago now at this point. And his second lowest round ever was the 63 he shot in the opening round at Mayakoba. So this guy who's been around forever has 750 rounds, shot his two lowest rounds back-to-back days, basically. Not back-to-back days, but back-to-back rounds for him. Um, clearly he's in the midst of something really, really good right now. And 51 is still not that bad. If he was down in 28, 20, I thought he could have easily been 28 to one in this field, um, is not Vegas, not giving him, giving him the respect. I'm okay with firing a little something, a little something at it. Maybe even a top five continues to play well. You can get a pretty good number on it. Here's a super weird situation. So I'm going to try my best to explain this because Russ Henley is 60 to one to win this golf tournament. He played Mayakoba and he played really well and missed the cut. So let me explain what happened. Shot a 66 on, it wasn't Thursday, they got rained out. So he got shot a 66 in the first round. Shot a 77 in the second round. And I put that in, you know, air quotes because this is a wild story. He shot a, what is this? Uh, I got to do the math here. 69 which would have been two under, was signing autographs after the round. He was signing balls, giving out balls in his bag, and realized that one of the balls he played was not the same model as another ball that he played. So I guess he, I don't know if he had two different Pro V1s in there or whatever he had, but that's a penalty. So he calls this penalty on himself And then the four holes that he played with that ball, he had to take a two-shot penalty on. So he adds eight strokes to his score, making it a 77, misses the cut by one stroke. That's insane. Obviously, you know, he was playing well enough. He only made, so he took four straight double bogeys is what he did. He only made one other real bogey last week at Mayakoba. He should have been seven under after two rounds, which, you know, wouldn't have put him at the top of the leaderboard, but he would have certainly been in contention. You go out, you shoot a couple low rounds. Like this is just the weirdest situation for a guy that now on paper shot a 77 when he didn't, he played much better than that. And then he comes to, you know, RSM, he comes to Sea Island. This is a place he's had pretty good success. He had a stretch from 2015 to 2017 where he had three straight top tens. So now you're looking at this like, okay, on paper, he missed the cut, which I guess, you know, Vegas is going to look at that and say, missed the cut. Uh, other betters are going to look at it and say, oh, he missed the cut. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to wager on this, but 60 to one on a guy who was pretty great last week, got, got clipped in the butt by a really obscure and quite frankly, stupid PGA tour rule comes to a place that he's had great success and he's 60 to one. I actually saw some places might have him at 70 to one. Um, if you shop this around a little bit, but yeah, this is really strange. I'm buying on Russ Henley and we'll see what happens, right? You could bet him top 10, you could bet him top five, but this is kind of a weird situation that I'm, I'm going to buy in on. I'm also going to buy back in on Harry Higgs. So Harry Higgs is 75 to one. And we've talked about him a handful of times over the course of the last month or so. Remember, this is Higgs' first full-time uh, year on the PGA Tour. He got his card through the Corn Ferry Tour. And while he is younger, he's not one of these like young 
19 year old studs that that comes out of um you know out of college after a couple of years and, and turns pro not that type of guy higgs has a lot of professional experience he worked his way up the latin american tour worked his way up the corn ferry tour like seasoned professional at this point in his career career quite frankly small sample size but he's 22nd in strokes gained off the tee this season and last week at mayakoba was the first time in his career that he had back-to-back made cuts he is going to be volatile all of these younger inexperienced guys are going to be volatile but two straight cuts for harry higgs second in bermuda 33rd at mayakoba couple of good things to point out here outside of brandon todd just boat rushing him and storming on sunday harry higgs probably would have won in bermuda uh he was that good he beat everybody else it was a solo second he played well he did not give it up at the end that's always a good sign Additionally, he closed with a 68 in Mexico, which included five under par on his back nine on Sunday. I like that. I like guys that storm up the leaderboard, that find something, whether it's late in their round or whether it's their final rounds, that they can now parlay and take into the next week. Harry Higgs is going to head to RSM in Sea Island with really good vibes coming off of five under on his back nine, including an eagle. So yeah. I'm buying back in. I have a few more long shots for you, and then we'll talk a little bit of strategy on the other side. I'll talk to you in just a second. NFL season is now upon us, and you can become the eighth person to win $1 million in a FanDuel or DraftKings tournament by setting their lineups using the DailyRoto.com DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy sports and not using DailyRoto.com, you're doing it wrong. Sign up now for the NFL access with a faster optimizer, smarter DFS projections, and better results. Enter promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. DailyRoto.com, where millionaires are made. Welcome back to Golf Betting On Demand, and I have some more long shots that I want to talk about, but I think we'd be justified to go back and talk about a little bit of betting strategy. This is something that I covered uh, probably at least a month ago, a little bit more in depth, but I've gotten some questions about this and some tweets, and I thought, hey, it's been a while since we've talked about it. Let's go through and chat about how you're actually attacking the betting board and the best ways to go about doing that. Now, I certainly don't claim that my way is the best way to do it, but I think it's worth a discussion on the different methods and then you can kind of decide what works best for you. First and foremost, uh, bankroll management, right? You know, only betting what you're uh, able to afford to lose. That's like the number one statement across all bets. But um, when it comes to golf betting, I think there's a couple of different ways that I've seen people do it. There's kind of like the, the, the spray method, which is just, I'm going to bet the same amount on the same amount. I'm going to risk the same amount on every golfer that I bet to win. And, and currently we're talking just specifically in outright betting, meaning that this person is going to win the golf tournament. And usually what I see is guys will just kind of take a scattered shot approach. I'll bet these eight golfers. Um, if any of them win, great. I win. The pros and cons to that are you usually have um, someone in contention, right? If you're betting eight, 10 guys out of a field of like 140 
at some point during the week, someone's probably going to be near the top of the leaderboard or at least give you someone to follow. It would be pretty rare that all of them are, uh, are losers, right? Or all of them miss the cut. Unless you're picking real losers. Um, the, the cons to it are, you can easily just kind of blow through your, your, your funds doing this way, just kind of taking this scattered shot approach. It's not nearly as, as technical. Um, it's more of a casual way to bet. And then the other problem is like, you can't, you can't win all your bets, right? So even if you bet 10 guys and you win one, you know, you're going to have nine losers on your hand. The final thought process around that is the number of golfers that you bet coincides with the shortest favorite that you bet. So for example, if you bet Webb Simpson at eight to one this week, you would bet seven other golfers for the same amount. So if I bet for round numbers, $10 on eight different golfers at one of them being Webb Simpson, if Webb Simpson wins at eight to one, I win 80 lose my seven other bets, lose that 70. So now I'm up $10. I would win more for any of the longer shot odds guys win the golf tournament, right? So if I have someone at 25 to one and they win, I'm going to make 250 minus the 70. So what's that? $180. Uh, and you can see how that kind of goes up for 50 to one, a hundred to one, for example, usually gives you a pretty good sweat, gives you something to keep track of. Um, what else? Uh, my, my problem with this is it's really hard to win golf bets and because they only happen one time, right? I mean, you, you, you bet Webb Simpson, he wins. If you take that scattered shot approach, you make 10 bucks, right? And it's like, well, you know, I, I hit this. I mean, in any other sport, an eight to one long shot would be pretty significant. You want to get paid out on that. Uh, so it's difficult to do that when you're just taking this scattered shot approach. The, the approach that I take, and I, I think the people that I, at least in my inner circles, you know, we kind of think this is a little bit of a better approach is to focus on, um, how much you want to wager each week and then, uh, start there and then basically look at how much you want to win if you win a bet. So I'll try to do this in round numbers. Um, you know, if I want to win a thousand dollars when I win a golf bet. If there is someone at 10 to one, I need to bet a hundred dollars on that golfer. Okay. Because a hundred dollars, 10 to one, hundred bucks, right? Round numbers here. That, that being said, if the golfer is 50 to one, I only need to bet $20 on him to win because 50 times 20 is 1000. That's my target goal. But really, you're starting with the amount that you're willing to wager each week. So if you're willing to wage, if you're only willing to wager $100 each week, for example, um, you know, and you want to bet one of the, the the favorites, if you want to bet someone at five to one, 10 to one, you're going to have to take a significant portion of your bankroll for that week and put it towards that golfer. So then you cannot take golfers at 10 to one, uh, 18 to one, 25 to one. You just won't have any money left. Right. So basically, if you take one of those really short guys, and this is what I talk about a lot, if you take a really short guy, you generally have to go down to like your next bet has to be like 50 or 60 to one and then like 100 to one just to fit into the system. Um, if you start your if you start your bets lower on the board, if you take like your first bet is 25 to one, 
you might be able to take a 25 to one, a 35 to one, a 55 to one, and kind of spread out more evenly across your bets. This is the approach that I take because you, you feel as if you are rewarded when you actually do win one of these bets. Um, you will not have as many good sweats on Sunday because you're usually betting fewer guys in, in general. So that's that. You have to kind of be willing to take a, a, a staggered approach and bet more on the favorites and less on the longer shot odds. But over time, the math starts to work out on this a little bit. And it's something that, um, I think really allows you to hone in on your strategy. So I talk about this a lot with fantasy golf where in fantasy golf, like, Hey, whatever lineup you're going to make, if you're gonna make a hundred lineups, your first lineup, that's the one I worked the hardest on. That's the one that I spent a lot of time grinding over. And then I kind of extrapolate after that. My first lineup in theory should be my best lineup. Kind of similar here. When you're not taking a scattered shot approach, you are really focusing in on the plays that you really, really like. And you have to decide between, hey, am I going to bet Billy Horschel at 14 to 1 or Matt Kuchar at 18 to 1? And you have to really think, compare these guys against one another. Which one do I want to take? It is a, it's a good exercise to get into strategically. And I enjoy that process. And I think it is allows you to become a better better, better, or a better handicapper, uh, moving forward because you're making a lot of difficult decisions. It, it's, it's a positive way to, to, um, to kind of train yourself. So with all that being said, when, when we get to, uh, my betting slip, know that I take a more structured approach of here are the areas that I will bet in. Um, I'm going to bet to win the same amount. I'm going to stay within how much I'm willing to wager each week. And then I'm going to go from there. It is not that scattered shot approach. Okay. Let's continue with some of these longer shot guys. Um, so again, if you're in my strategy, I don't have to bet too much on these guys to hit my target number. And the first one is Joel Damon. Joel Damon is 75 to one. So if my, I don't want to do the math here on the spot, but something like, you know, if my, if my target is a thousand dollars, what would I have to bet on Damon? Not 10, like 15 bucks, something like that to, to win this golf tournament. Um, because 10 to one would be, or $10 would be 750. So I have to bet a little bit more. Uh, yeah, maybe like 15 bucks. So Joel Damon is the epitome of hashtag team no putt, which is what I usually go for. So this is right into my wheelhouse here. He is 20th in strokes gained off the tee, 37th in approach, 10th around the green, and 187th in putting. There's only 10 rounds for that where early in the year it's measured. You know, there's only been so many measured events. But Joel Damon certainly falls into the category of team no putt this uh, this season, and he has two top 10 finishes in his last four starts. One was last week, the T6 at Mayakoba. The previous was T9 at the Shriner. So two top 10s. I like that. I, I think I might stick with a top 10 bet. Oh, and that's another thing I forgot to cover. I mentioned it briefly where if you're only betting outrights, all if you win one of them, all your other bets are losers. If I bet Webb Simpson to win this and Joel Damon to finish top 10, I can win both of those bets. They do not really uh, influence one another in any way. So keep that in mind. You know, Get into the top 10 market. Get into the top five market. 
more likely that your guys are going to finish in those positions and you have the opportunity to win multiple bets. When you have a really good week of betting and you've done a great job handicapping, you want to be paid out on that. So you want to win as many bets as you can if the golf tournament shakes out in the way that you envision that it does. Okay. So uh, Joel Damon, probably going to get a top 10 bet from me. He's done it twice in his last four starts. This is a pretty good number, uh, 75 to one to win it outright. I'll wait for the top 10 odds to come out. Adam Long, 90 to one, just saw him very, very quietly, almost completely under the radar, finish in a tie for second at Mayakoba, started the week really well, finished the week really well. He started with a 63, finished with a 66. Those are beautiful numbers. Uh, played well in between. And, and, and for Adam Long, what is fine this week is his skill set. And that skill set is very accurate off the tee and not very long. That's not going to kill you around Sea Island on either one of these courses. And already in this very young season, he's been a great ball striker. Uh, He's made all six cuts. He does have one start here in the past at the RSM Classic. He missed the cut. But Adam Long, winner on the PGA Tour last year. I think he was like one of the longest shots to win last year, 250 to 1 or something like that. Maybe even longer. Um, When he won the Desert Classic. So he's got that up his sleeve, the ability to close out a tournament. And uh, this feels like it should be a pretty good spot for him. I'm interested to see how he reacts to this being his second trip around Sea Island. Chris Kirk is also here, also 90 to one. And the stories around Chris Kirk have been more about his off the course issues than his on the course issues. So if you read the article on PGA tour.com, Chris Kirk, um, uh, he he took a sabbatical basically to to get right after um, alcohol abuse and he was in a really really bad spot. Took time to get right. Made his first start back on the PGA Tour last week at Mayakoba, in which he hey finished in a tie for thirty third. Made the cut. Played well enough. Then you go to a course where Chris Kirk is a former champion. Yeah. So let me read you off just his last six years. Forty sixth, fourth, missed the cut. 18th, 4th, and a win. So that's, you know, four top 20s, two top fours, and a win in his last six starts. Played well enough last week. This should be the absolute course that um, Chris Kirk gets going on. Like, this is where you'd want to really fire him up. And then finally, uh, there's Tyler Duncan. And this is really a, a, a real dart throw at 150 to 1 because this is a new method I'm working on. Uh, we've talked on this show. There are so many statistics on the PGA tour that you can look at. A lot of them are great. A lot of them can be meaningless. I get tweets all the time or I get emails all the time. Hey, Rick, I saw that this person was the best in the field from 100 to 125 yards. Uh, should I bet them this week? Probably not. Sometimes they're like, 100 100 yards to 125 yards from the right rough. The sample size is usually so small and not important. But what I've started to do, and I'm I'm in the very early stages of this, is take the holes that these guys are going to play this week, take their average drives, right? So Dustin Johnson, you know, he hits a lot of shots from 100 to 125 yards because he's hitting a wedge into every single green. Uh, Brian Gay is hitting like four iron into that same green spread out where they're going to likely hit their shots 
then compare it to their uh, average proximities or their average birdie or betters from those ranges. So it's actually custom tailored to each one of these golfers, which is much, much better. Tyler Duncan kind of pops off the screen on that. This should be a course that sets up well for him. And then he hits it well when he gets into those certain areas. So 151, very much of a dart throw. And that's a strategy and a, and a research project that we will talk much more about in the future. All right. We've only got one thing left to do, and that is to go over the bets that I have actually made or will make for this week's RSM Classic, and I'll talk to you in just one second. NFL season is now upon us, and you can become the eighth person to win $1 million in a FanDuel or DraftKings tournament by setting their lineups using the DailyRoto.com DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy sports and not using DailyRoto.com, you're doing it wrong. Sign up now for the NFL access with a faster optimizer, smarter DFS projections, and better results. Enter promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. DailyRoto.com, where millionaires are made. All right, welcome back to Golf Betting On Demand, and it's time. Uh, my betting slip for this week's RSM Classic, it is bigger than normal. I usually bet a few this early in the week, but uh, I, I've got I've got some pretty significant leans here, so let's run through these because I don't want to run out of time. Um, I, I started my bets at 28 to 1 with Kevin Kisner. I think this is just such a, a superior situation for Kisner than it was last year. His odds only get a little bit shorter. Um, this, this is a perfect spot for him. I bet him to win. And when you start your betting slip at 28 to one, you have a lot of flexibility. So that's why I have probably made more bets than I normally do on a given week. Uh, but I then followed that up with Brian Gay, who I have a very small bet on him at 40 to one, but I also took the wager at, uh, a top five bet, which to me makes much more sense for Brian Gay. Um, Probably has limited upside, but this, you know, this is only one of the, again, six or so events that you can bet Brian Gay at, uh, and I'm going to take my opportunity to do just that. Additionally, uh, Brendan Todd, again, a very small bet to win, but a, a top 10 and a top five wager. If he continues to play the way that he's playing, Top five, top 10 should be no problem, right? Uh, this keeps this confidence rolling. And hey, if he goes out and makes history and wins his third straight tournament, I want to be a part of it. So I'm going back to Todd. I still don't think that 50 to one number is short enough, but I really am more focused on that top five, top 10. Russ Henley, really weird situation that I'm buying in on. I'm going to take a top 10 bet on him. Um, he has done that here at the RSM Classic in the past. Super weird situation where he played well last week, had to take a two-shot penalty on four straight holes. Like, I, I can't even begin to describe that to you. So it looks like a, a missed cut on, uh, on his results, but we know better than that because we were paying attention. So I'm buying into Russ Henley at that top 10 number. And then I'm also going to take a top 10 on Chris Kirk. Uh, playing well, has won here in the past, or I played well last week, I should say, because we haven't seen much of Chris Kirk. Um, and then personally, just kind of rooting for him. So there you go. That's the betting slip for this week's 
RSM Classic. Uh, those bets, I can win a lot of those in conjunction with one another. Let me know what you're betting this week. Tweet me. It's at Rick Run Good, and we'll talk to you next time.